In August 2023, Lucy Letby was sentenced to seven whole life orders. This means that she will spend the rest of her life in prison. Under no circumstances will she ever be released. But what is it really like behind bars when you're a serial killer? What does daily life look like and how are you treated by the other inmates? In this episode, former prison governor Vanessa Frake Harris sheds light on the reality of prison for a serial killer, as well as sharing with us her extraordinary stories from her 26 years spent behind bars with society's most dangerous people. Just a note before we go on to the interview, episode 5 of this podcast, Could Lucy Letby Be Innocent?, has been put on hold while the Crown Prosecution Service commences its retrial on one count of attempted murder. We look forward to sharing this episode with you when we are able to do so. I'm Joshua Perry Parker, and this is episode 6. What will prison be like for Lucy Letby? So with all that said, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined now by Vanessa Frake-Harris. Now, Vanessa has had a truly extraordinary career. She spent 26 years working in the prison service, including 16 years at high security uh, women's prisons, where she came across inmates such as Myra Hindley and Rosemary West. And she's also been the governor at the infamous Wormwood Scrubs. She is author of the Sunday Times best-selling book, The Governor, all about her time spent behind uh, bars. I'm reading it at the moment, Vanessa. It's really fascinating and eye-opening. Um, I'd highly recommend it to our listeners. It's on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. So do uh, do give it a read because it is absolutely uh, fascinating. So, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thanks for thanks for inviting me, Joshua. No worries at all. So, and we we wanted to kind of start off by looking at the reality of what prison life is like for a, a serial killer. Um, so prisons vary quite a lot across the, the UK, and it's been reported that Letby has been sent to a maximum security prison. So can you just explain to our listeners what exactly that means? For um, somebody such as Letby, she'll be a restricted status prisoner. Right. So that means basically that she has to be held in a prison where escape is made impossible, um, in order to protect the public and national security, should she be, you know, that that way. So she'd probably be a restricted status prisoner. And what does a maximum security prison look like compared to kind of other prisons? What's the, the difference in kind of how they look, how they're set up cell-wise? Is it just about the kind of security and trying to make escape impossible? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 physical security. So you've got high walls, you've got barbed wire, you've got cameras, mm. you may have dogs, um, you may have cameras inside the jail, not just necessarily around the perimeter. So it's it's physical security plus more staff on duty. So that oh, is yeah, okay. that is what a category A, a pres- prison is. So you've got physical and you've got higher staff ratio to prisoners than than a normal category B prison. Right. Okay. That that's really that paints a good picture. And presumably, all prisoners will know who Letby is, or will be aware of who who Letby is. So I'll be right in thinking that Letby will likely be kept separate from the other prisoners. And is that kind of the the norm for prisoners who have got a particular uh, kind of notorious crime where it's been in the media and uh, the other inmates are likely to know who they are. Um, well, you know, we don't censor prisoners, so we don't censor the news, we don't censor newspapers, they can have newspapers sent in, 
So absolutely, they'll be fully aware of who she is. Um, whether or not they're aware, I would imagine they're probably aware of um, the fact that she's now at um, at Newhall Prison. Um, it's 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 very um, different for um, high profile prisoners. Um, they don't they don't get more than they're entitled to. They get what they're entitled to, the same as anybody else. But the likes of Letby, I would doubt very much whether she is in the general population of the prison at the moment you know with her with a prison it's all about risk mm. so it will be risk assessed to see how much uh, of a threat to her there is how much of a threat uh, to staff there is because don't get staff would have to go in and and stop any uh, likely attack on her um so it's 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 all about managing that risk and um we had rose west at holloway i looked after her for about two months before she went to Winchester on trial. And um, it, the risk was decided it was too great at that time to put her with the rest of the general population. So we held her down the segregation unit where she was separated from uh, the general population of the prison. And I would imagine that that's how Lucy Letby will go, certainly for the time being. But, you know, every so often that risk will be will be looked at, you know, when I when I sort of bumped into Myra Hindley at Cook and Wood, you know, by that time she had a job in reception. She was allowed out of her cell. You know, she'd done twenty odd years in prison. She, you know, it was deemed that the the threat had had got less. Obviously, you know, the more the media hype it up, then the mm. more the, the the fear of the threat is against her. And and is is the threat then that other prisoners may try to attack or kill Letby? Is there kind of because we often hear is there some kind of a hierarchy in prisoners where child killers are the absolute worst, and the other kind of prisoners, whether they be in for murder or serious assaults, will kind of look down on them. Is is that right? Absolutely, without without question, child killers, rapists, they're all much of a much of a muchness in the pecking order, i.e., they're at the bottom of the pile. Um, you know, and I would imagine, you know, there are uh, a few, you know, the likes of Joanne Dennehy would have mm. no qualms whatsoever of, uh, you know, trying to attack Letby. So, you know, that that is a risk that, you know, as 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 a governor, you have to manage that risk within a prison. Mm. And just um you know, there's because one of the most common questions we've had is, will let be survive prison? Um, how do prisoners get weapons? How do, how are they able to attack other prisoners? If I said to you that you could make a garrote out of toilet paper, would you believe me? I have seen, um, you know, a garrote woven out of toilet paper that's as strong as any rope that you can buy in a in a shop you know a simple thing like um you know they don't have metal uh cutlery they have plastic cutlery but if you file down one end just continually like like this on on a on a floor on a wall or something like that you can you can get it to a point you know a biro i've seen a, a biro and somebody's eye sticking out you know so anything that you can get your get your hands on um, is able to be sort of manipulated into a, into a we weapon. So it's not that, you know, they, they've got a, a nice, uh, you know, hunting knife like mm. this with razor edges. That, that's just not, not the case. It's what they can find to make a weapon of. You know, um, 
a classic one is um, either batteries, which they're allowed because they're allowed radios, in a sock, or pool balls in a sock. You know, that is a serious weapon and could cause serious damage to somebody full force um, in their in their head, you know, that, that could kill you easily. Mm. So it's not a question of them getting weapons, it's them twisting the everyday things into a weapon. And I guess when you've got all day in your cell to think about how you might manipulate an everyday object into a into a weapon, you know, you're kind of fighting losing battle there. Because as you say, anything could be turned into a weapon. And and how often did you kind of see in your time attacks on other other prisoners? Is it fairly common or is it is it fairly rare? Um, no, it's 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 fairly common. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially in in the the times nowadays when there's much fewer staff you know you can't be all things to all man or woman um you know when you're looking after a landing of i don't know say 100 prisoners and there's just two of you you know you can't possibly have eyes everywhere at the same time prisoners you know a a, fa- uh, a favorite sort of get to go to weapon is is boiling water you know they have little kettles in their cell they boil the water, they add sugar if they really want to get somebody and then they throw it in their face. You know, I've seen prisoners scarred for life from it. You know, so, you know, it's, it is, um, it can be a very dangerous place and, you know, you have to accept that. And presumably for the prison guards as well and those working in the prisons. Absolutely, yeah, completely. You mm. know, um, there have been some very serious assault, assaults on the staff and thankfully no fatal ones as yet, but... You know, who's to say mm. when or if that may happen? I hope not, but you just you just don't know. And um, recently, the media have started reporting, and obviously, you know, it's the media. We don't know how how true this is, but as part of Letby being transferred to a uh, new prison, uh, the media has reported that she has her own private cell, an ensuite, a private TV. And it said, although I'm not sure how they would know this, but it said that she's made friends and is spending her days playing board games and singing karaoke. I mean, these kind of stories come out all the time. Are they realistic or? Well, well, you have to you have to think, well, you know, that calling it a private room. Well, everybody's got a private room. They've got cells, you know, but they want to make it sound like it's a hotel room. I can assure you it won't be. Um, Every prisoner. Um, throughout the prison estate is entitled to a TV, but that is a privilege. That's after the Wolf Report, after the um, riots in, uh, I think it was Whitemore, I think, um, that, you know, prisoners, having prisoners amused is much better than having them sat there looking at four walls and plotting. So every prisoner is entitled to have a TV in their cell, but that's a privilege. It can mm. be taken away as soon as it can be put in. Trust me. So you know it's not uh, it's not sort of the be all and end all because you know everybody's entitled to it. You know the fact that they've added Lucy's Letby's name on top of that. Well, you know that's that's unfortunately our media. But mm. you know if she's made friends, great. I wouldn't trust anybody to be my friend if I was in her position. But you know. Um, that's up to her. No, absolutely. And I guess the point of the ensuite is that everybody has access to bathroom facilities in their cells, presumably. Absolutely. You know, we yeah. we we pride ourselves that, you know, we are a modern, um, decent uh, country and we provide um, in-cell um, toilets and some have showers in them, some don't. 
Um, if it's a modern prison, without without doubt, it will. But she won't be the only one that has a um, a cell with a, a uh, in, in a shower in it. But um, you know, I think you have to remember: Do we want to go back to prisoners slopping out? I, for one, have done that. When you unlock a whole wing at seven o'clock in the morning and see prisoners trooping along with a bucket full of urine and feces, it is not a pleasant sight or mm. smell. Um, and uh, you know, if if they have in-cell toilets, great. And and you must have heard this so much throughout your career about you know prisoners having it easy it's like a holiday camp you know they've got they've got three meals a day they've got their own tv i mean what's your kind of reaction when people say that and when people look at letby and her kind of horrific crimes and they say well hold on she's getting three meals a day you know she's she's warm she's safe in her own cell you know that doesn't seem like much of a punishment okay well the, the punishment um with any prisoner is the removal from society and the removal of liberty. That is the punishment, you know, gone are the days when, you know, it was, you know, walking around, pushing a stone wheel, grinding corn, or, you know, breaking up rocks, you know, that that isn't the punishment, you know, it's more about education, getting prisoners to, to um, either accept or deal with their offending behavior. Um, Indeed, with her, I expect they'll focus on the why, because nobody mm. really knows why she did it. We can all assume that it was because, you know, she wanted the attention and the glory of, of trying to save a baby, etc. You know, we, we can all presume that. But but really, we don't know the ins and outs. And I would imagine that the psychologists and the psychiatrists will try and um, find out why, indeed, to give some some sort of closure to, to those poor families that, that were affected by it. And is that an ongoing part of kind of the, the prison system when you have either serial killers or serious offenders? Is that kind of an ongoing process that the prison tries to work out with them? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. With with not just with serial killers, not but but with all, all prisoners who, who offend. It's it's you know it's part of the rehabilitation process. Um, I'm not saying that she'll ever be rehabilitated. You know, she will never walk outside a, a jail again. And, you know, that's that's, you know, a good thing. But, um, you know, certainly people would will particularly like the medical side, the psychiatrists and, and the psychologists mm. will try and work out as to why she did what she did. At the moment, she's denying that she did it. She's, you know, launching an appeal. Um, yeah. So, you know, at the moment, she's not going to admit anything, is she? No. And um, we wanted to kind of also talk about your experience just in the in the prison system more more generally. And we've got some questions from um, listeners that I wondered if we could uh, we could put to you. So this first one, how often did you come across, if ever, a corrupt prison guard? Um, I can't name exactly how many times, but too many times. You know. Really? Um, unfortunately, that is part and parcel of um, of working with with prisoners in such a close, confined space. Um, and as we've already discussed, you know, prisoners prisoners have got one thing that we haven't got, which is time on their hands. You know, mm. they've got time to look at people to assess. You know, are they turnable? Could could they get something out of forming a relationship with a with a member of staff? You know, it's something that we battled about, uh, battled with. Um, we had some very good results, you know, catching staff in the act. They're, they're, to me, there's nothing worse than a corrupt member of staff. They put 
the jail stability in in um in peril they put their colleagues lives at risk because you know you rely on your your buddy next to you to have your back and if they're corrupt and bringing drugs in or whatever then they're not going to do that so to me you know the more that they catch the better but unfortunately mm -hmm. you know as is our prison system at the moment you know it's very short of cash so the wages are rubbish so when the rate wages are rush, rubbish it puts more pressure on staff who you know there is no such thing as overtime in the prison service it's all like time off in lieu so you know if their wages aren't high enough then it puts pressure on them to bring stuff in to get paid for doing that um we did believe at one time that some staff who new new recruits were actually recruited to be corrupt into the prison system um and it's all about you know how you you deal with new staff how do you support them how do you you know help them to to deal with the pressure of prisoners trying to manipulate them and coerce them and did you have prisoners try to sidle up to you and everything oh yeah but i was i was always taught you know there is a line you are this side and prisoners are that side there's no gray areas never was with me and they soon got short sharp shrift with me i i always i always was fair I ensured that prisoners got what they were entitled to, but nothing more. And did you ever find yourself liking some prisoners more than others? Or was it always purely professional? Or was no, it, you know, no, did you no. develop friendships with prisoners or? No, because once you once you start crossing that line, you get into very grey areas. You know, the majority of prison staff are professional. They want to make a difference. They want to try and um help people to be released back into society and, and lead law-abiding lives you know and that's how it should be but once you start you know favoring prisoners or uh, you know liking prisoners as as friends and and then that that professional line is broken and once it's broken you can't get it back mm. and do prison guards do they treat all prisoners equally are there times if you've got inmates such as Letby or as you said Myra Hindley, Rose West are there prison guards who behave differently towards them? Um, I can only speak for myself um, mm. and the staff that I've had the pleasure to work with and certainly I've never I've never worked with a more professional bunch of people I'm lucky in that respect maybe but you know the prison prison officer's job is to ensure that the prisoner is safe and secure um, by keeping them in custody and protecting protecting the public, um, their job is not to judge. These people have already been judged. They've been judged mm. by their peers, i.e., a jury, and they've been sentenced accordingly by a judge. That's that's not our role to to judge them and have an opinion on that. Ours is to keep them safe and secure. And you've had the experience of working in both male and female uh, prisons. Um, so what are the differences between a male prison and a female prison? I mean, the, the male prisons tend to be the old Victorian prisons. Mm, the like wing ones. Scrubs, Wandsworth, yeah. you know, that that sort of um, Leeds, uh, Wakefield. The, the female prisons tend to be more like Bronzefield or New Hall. They don't tend to, to frequent the Victorian prisons. That's the, the physical thing. If you ask me 
what the difference was between male and female prisoners, then, you know, there's a whole category of things apart from the obvious gender. But um, female prisoners are much more emotional. They're much more, they have no sort of, although they females in general can be quite vicious, mm. um, obviously the damage a male prisoner could do is is far greater so women tend to be more emotional men tend to focus more on themselves um women by nature are carers so they're more concerned about what's going on outside i.e you know who's looking after the children the husband the wife the the girlfriend boyfriend whatever but also women are much more prolific self-harmers than, right. than male prisoners um in, in in dreadful ways, you know, I've seen people, women try and take their eyeballs out and, you know, whereas males on the whole will do slashing the, the, the cuts to themselves. Um, but, you know, I suppose to a degree, women are more victims of abuse, of physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, than males and therefore end up in prison um, because of that. Although mm. I'm not saying that, you know, men aren't abused because I know they are. So, you know, it's, um, but if you're asking me for specific differences, they're the ones I'd sort of can rattle mm. off the top of my head. And do men, are male prisoners more violent to each other or is that pretty similar in female prisons? Um. I think men are much more violent. Men right. are more likely to, although you do get violent females, don't get me wrong, you certainly do. Um, but but if if you ask me which were worse violent-wise, I'd, I'd say males, because that is the nature of the beast, isn't it? You know, men men mm. were hunters and, 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 and therefore much more protective and much more territorial, just as 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 the gender of a of a man. And when you went into your first male prison compared to a female prison, did you find yourself feeling more threatened, more scared? Um, I've never felt scared. Have you not? Never. That's incredible, never. though, because I would be terrified <laughs> yeah. at the very first moment. Yeah. I think I think if I was ever, um, if I looked at myself and thought, oh, my God, I'm scared, then I'd have turned around and walked out and wouldn't have gone back. I don't think you can do that job and be scared. Um, I think you can be apprehensive. You can uh, be, uh, and I would probably say that's what I was. I was apprehensive. I'd, I'd worked at Holloway. So Holloway was built as a mental institution rather than a prison, the new Holloway. Um, so it had all blind corners. It looked like a hospital. It it was almost run like a hospital mm. um, because when, when the new Holloway was built in the 70s, it was looked at that women were mad and not bad. Well, we all know that that's not the case. Um, and um, so walking into Wormwood Scrubs, you know, it was a, what I'd call a proper prison. It had netting. It had, mm. you know, four large, a wing held on average about 300 prisoners, six staff, you know, it, it, totally different. But there was something about Holloway, you know, uh, Wormwood Scrubs that that I really liked. And I really, by the time I'd left Wormwood Scrubs, I really, really felt that I'd done a good job there and uh, and that I'd enjoyed my time there mm. much much more uh, I'm people say which did you prefer working with and I'll always say males I think ma ma male prisoners 
on the whole are more respectful to female staff. You get the odd one or two, but you're always going to get that. I'd say on the whole, males are more respectful. Interesting. And you said you kind of, there were times when you felt apprehensive. Did you ever kind of feel like at any moment something could change? Say when the prisoners are moving between activities or there's there's lots of prisoners. So there's you and maybe, you know, several hundred male prisoners. Did you ever get that feeling of this, something could happen now? Absolutely. You know, you can walk, you, you ask any prison officer and they would tell you, you can walk onto a wing and the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you notice prisoners slipping back into the sort of shadows behind their doors, um, a few whisperings going on, you know, um, and uh, you can tell that, that something is, is in the air, something may well happen, without a doubt. It's, it's all about, you know, reading situations, I think. You mentioned about um, prisoners self-harming. Um, is mental health a significant challenge in prisons? Oh, gosh, yeah, without a doubt. You know, mm. there are so many people in prison who shouldn't be in prison because they have mental health issues. And, you know, prison staff aren't trained to deal with mental health. You know, they're, deal, they're trained to deal with prisoners. So it's very difficult to separate those out that um, have mental health issues from, from you know, your normal prisoner. Um, but again, you know, if you have um, somebody with mental health issues, uh, you know, going around threatening people or assaulting people or, you know, where do you put them? Well, you have to put them somewhere secure. And if there's not a secure unit available, then unfortunately, the only other place is, is a prison. And, uh, you know, they do like take up a, a, a very large proportion of uh, our prison population um it's it's not right it's not fair but um at the end of the day as i said you know it goes back to protecting the public and that must just be incredibly difficult for for prison guards to try to you know act as act as doctor as counselor at the same time as just trying to keep everyone safe that must be impossible listen a, a prison officer wears about 20 different hats every day yeah. So, you know, you do counsellor, you do mother, you do father, <laughs> you do brother, you do, uh, you know, officer, you do uh, counsellor, educator, you know, a hundred different, a hundred different times a day. That is, that is the, the skill of a, of a good prison officer is being able to switch hats at the drop of a hat. Hmm. And um, did you, you know, I guess there's a there's a question. You've worked with some of the most notorious kind of prisoners. Did you would you say that those prisoners, Myra Hindley, Rose West, were they evil? Were they psychotic in your experience? Um, Myra Hindley, I only literally bumped into her at, uh, when I was at um, taking some prisoners to Cook and Wood. So mm. I never actually worked with Myra Hindley, but Rose West. Without a doubt, Rose West was one of the most manipulative people. Really? That oh, without a doubt. You know, she she's like your typical narcissist that, you know, it, she would be very polite to you. She would do everything she was told. She would um completely comply to the regime of the prison or her regime, what she was expected to do. And at the end of the day, you could see that, you know, she was one of the most manipulative um, prisoners that I ever came across. 
and with with that type of person who who has the ability to do what she did um you know without a doubt that you are going to get that and did you come across prisoners who you know when you were on the wings there were prisoners who you just knew were bad news who just were nasty or had an evil streak to them or did that not really happen um yeah i think i think you know i think probably as a as a prison officer you know you see some of the worst um people of society um and i think that you are very quick to judge um and i think you're you're a cynical person um certainly you know you're more likely to say mm, i'll just keep an eye on them than you're like oh, they'll fit in nicely you know so you know the the benefit of the doubt doesn't really sort of come across um and neither should it because you should always be aware that any prisoner you know there is trust is is an interesting word there is not a prisoner that i have ever worked with that i ever trusted really you know wow. no no because you see once i always felt that prisoners always wanted something so however they were they whatever they wanted they were going to do something to get it whether that was freedom or whether that was you know a cigarette off you or or whatever you know and and to to trust somebody you need you know it's a, it's a very big thing um when this person can turn around and bang you know you can end up on the floor with with no keys you know take them hostage you know so um it's it's i would i would i used to say to staff you know yes he's the tea boy yes he's unlocked yes he makes your tea but you know don't be talking about your home lives your wives mm. your girlfriends in front of them you know you don't know what he's going to do with that information mm. you know so so no i didn't mm. how do drugs and alcohol get into prison <laughs> oh gosh have we got about three hours <laughs> um you know, it, it seems, I know, you know, how much we should believe prison dramas, I, I, I don't know. But when you see prisoners with mobile phones and heroin, how on earth does that get into a secure okay. unit? Um, I, I spent probably most of my career fighting drugs, alcohol, mobile phones coming into jails. Um, you know, you have to remember that we don't keep prisoners in a glass box um, with no access to any other human being and feed them, you know, through a tray. We don't. So they have the ability to meet people. They have the ability to coerce, to manipulate people. Um, yes, without a doubt, staff, corrupt staff. But then you go to the courts, you get corrupt court staff, you get corrupt solicitors, right. you get false solicitors. You know, we had um, uh, dead pigeons thrown over the wall that had the inside scooped out and sewn up with drugs. We had um, a zip line from D-Wing, the falls landing on D-Wing over the wall to Hammersmith Hospital, to the top of Hammersmith Hospital that was, um, it was like a fishing wire, so right. you couldn't see it unless the, the sun actually glinted it. Um, just you know we had tennis balls thrown over nowadays of course we've got drones there's been instances where drones have been flown over prisons um and um going back to what i said you know yes there are people 
the prisoners working in the grounds and they are trusted prisoners to a point but we all know that they pick it up take it back to the wings and it's once it's on the wing it's distributed throughout the prison we've even had uh bent police officers at um at Wilman scrubs where they took a guy out to do an id parade but they dropped him off with his girlfriends um and once he'd he'd done whatever with her she stuffed him full of drugs and he came back in and we we'd had intelligence that this was going to happen we warned the police they completely ignored us um and um you know that that police i think two got final written warnings and one got sacked mm. um you know so there are all manner one with the thing with contraband coming in once you shut one door another one will open without a doubt once you nab one drug dealer another one will slide quicker than than you can say you know heroin in straight into his shoes it is a constant battle but unless we put people in a glass box with no access to anybody on the outside world including staff you got no hope mm. and is it you know when we see in prison dramas when people they you know they have visitors come to them and they they kiss them and they pass over something oh, yeah. does that actually happen absolutely it does, yeah or, or or they bring their baby in with a dirty nappy and in inside the dirty nappy is a load of drugs that's a good one mm. um we've had um passed from kiss to kiss um and it was on uh the, this uh prisoner had a uh a wrap of heroin um that he'd swallowed but he'd managed to loop the um cotton uh, it was on a bit of cotton and he'd looped it around his tooth. So when he was searched at the end of the visit and they told him to open his mouth and he opened his mouth and the officer saw a bit of cotton, the officer pulled it out and he was pulling it like this. And at the end of it was a wrap of heroin that he'd got wow. on his visit. You know, so, you know, it's it, all sorts of, all manner of, manner of things. Mm. And, you know, and if you can use a, a baby, to to get drugs into prison what, what sort of person does that make you and it must be just so difficult as a governor or as prison staff to try to keep to keep up with it did you ever get kind of exhausted if you went on the wing and saw a prisoner was drunk or high and it was just you know how has this happened now or someone's brought drugs in and they're going around the wing and you know it must be an impossible challenge um i think you know, when you're sat in your office on the wing and, you know, a waft of cannabis goes past you and you think, oh, great. But, you know, there are, it's always better to be um, active rather than reactive. So, you know, we used to do a lot of wing searches. We used to do um, staff searches, a lot of staff searches. Um, you know, the, the penalties for supplying drugs to, to prisoners is not high enough, in my opinion. They usually get maybe 18 months, two years. It needs to be double that um, mm. to make it really effective so that people don't want to do it. Because it is, you know, when you think sort of like if you take, say, an ounce of heroin, maybe 80 pounds on the outside, inside it's worth three times that that amount. You know, one of those little Nokia phones that, you, you know, you used to chase the snake with, um, in, inside a jail probably go for 500 pounds. You know, they 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 are everything is you know quadrupled in in price in a jail because it's it's not readily available. But yeah, I mean it's frustrating. But I always used to say, 
you know, they win one, I win two. So, you know, I was I always made sure that we were ahead of the game. How um, common is it for prisoners to enter relationships with each other? And I guess in both female and male prisons? Um, males, hardly ever. Hardly ever, yeah. It's not, it's not, um, it's not cool to be gay in a male jail um, for obvious reasons. Although we, we did have one who, who um, always reminded me of um, Gloria out of It Ain't Half Hot Mum, because that's what he wanted to be called. And he used to he used to come to the female staff and ask to borrow their lipsticks and that. Um, but um, yeah, it's not it's not very com uh, common with males. Interestingly, it's much more common with female prisoners. Mm. Women tend to um, get comfort from each other in jail, whereas men, you know, they're they're much better sort of on their own, looking out for themselves. So yeah, I mean, it's it happens, but. Certainly in male jails, it's very rare. Mm. And in female prisons, then, would you have prisoners who were straight on the outside who would enter relationships with other female prisoners, either for companionship or something like that? Yeah, without a doubt. Without mm. a doubt, yeah. Interesting. Um, so um, this is this is a question from me, really, just, of, you know, that I'd lay, lay at night thinking about. Um, what advice would you give to me now if I was sent to prison tomorrow? Okay. Um, Bearing in mind, I'm quite pathetic. <laughs> I hope you don't lay us lay awake <laughs> at night thinking that. What I would say to anybody who was who was uh, heading that way um, is, you know, keep your mouth shut and your eyes open. Certainly, initially, you know, the the there is quite a, a lengthy process of being accepted into a jail. You know, going from checking the warrant checking we've got the right person that and it, that it co corresponds to the warrant, to um, healthcare questions, seeing a doctor, um, seeing somebody like me, um, you know, cell-sharing uh, risk assessments. Are, are you able to share a cell? Um, or are you, you know, an out-and-out -out racist or homophobic or whatever? Mm. Um but certainly I would I would be keeping my head down and uh, just watching, seeing what goes on and and who main players are. Um, and if anybody approaches you, don't discuss what you've done. Um, and um, if you feel threatened, then report that without a doubt. Interesting. So the prisoners not tend to tell each other what they're in for or know what they're in for? Um Certainly those that are anything to do with children, rapists, we always warn them not to. Um, whether they choose to, you know, I've, I've known prisoners who've completely ignored that advice. Um, but, um, you know, it's not really the done thing to discuss, you know, to say to somebody, so what are you in for? Right. It's kind of seen as, you know, well, what business is it of yours? And if you're asking that, what are you hiding? So it's not mm. really discussed. Just our um, second to last question now for you, Vanessa. Um, does the prison system work? Ooh, I love that question. Without a doubt, no. No. Uh, that's the short wow. answer. Um, you know, we lock up more prisoners in this country than in Western Europe. We have the worst reoffending rates in Western Europe. Um, in in this country, the prison and justice system as a whole is a political football. 
you know, every party wants to be the party of law and order. Mm. Every party wants to lock people up, lock people up, lock people up. And sometimes locking people up is not the answer. You know, if you're locking somebody away for three months for the first time offence for nicking a bottle of whiskey out of Tesco's, you know, that person's now probably going to spend out of that three months, six weeks in jail. They'll probably lose their house. They'll probably lose their job. They may even lose their relationship. So what have you done? Well, you've taught them for six weeks how to be a proper criminal. Um, you've sent them out where they've got absolutely nothing. Um, and what what alternative have they had? Have they got then, but to get on a bandwagon and and commit further crime? And you know we think um, that in this country, we probably it costs around fifty grand per prisoner place per year. Um, that's coming out of your taxes and my taxes. There has to be a better solution for first-time non-violent offenders, you know, paying their debt to society outside the jail, not inside the jail. Because everybody knows, you know, you speak to any um, any prison officer, any governor grade, short sentences don't work. They don't work. They, it's been proven that they don't work. But, you know, like I said, the, it doesn't matter what political party you vote. They all want to be the the party of law and order. Since 2010, they've had 13 different um, justice secretaries, you know, 13 different people in charge of the prisons. Every single one of those has thought they had the answer. Every single one of those has thought they've invented the wheel um, and they haven't. And what they think they've invented, we did five years ago and it still didn't work. So, to my mind, we need to take politics out of our justice system, mm. make it make it much more about focusing on reducing reoffending. Because isn't that what we want? We want a society where you know people people don't offend, that people don't feel threatened by you know uh, bad behaviour or their house being robbed or their car being nicked or or whatever you know that's what we want surely and if you could change something about the prison system would it be that it becomes independent would it be that there's more money for the poor staff who just have to deal with these most incredible challenges what what kind of you've said that but what what really needs to happen does it need a massive injection of cash do we need to build more prisons you know what's the thing we've had some people saying you need to make them a real deterrent you know go back to gruel and hard labor and things like that but that doesn't work no that absolutely doesn't work you know with rats running around and water coming down the walls doesn't work People are under this misconception, you know, that, that you know, that that all worked. It didn't. It wasn't a deterrent. You know, the death penalty in the States isn't a deterrent, doesn't stop murders or serial no. killers. You know, the, the, these these focusing on on a education of people, you know, 80 percent of prisoners um, can't read and write. You know, so what does that say about our society that there are that many illiterate people? You know, mm. education is a fabulous thing. I do think that, you know, when I when I was at um, Scrubs, we, we used to do this thing called Prison Me No Way, where we used to go into schools and talk to 15 and 16-year-olds and about prison, about crime, about the effects of. Um, that doesn't happen anymore. They took the, the, the money out of that. You know, so I think education of, of, of children, of, of 
people in prison, I think is is paramount. You know, it's been proven. You know, this hard lock them up and throw away the key just doesn't work. And and when you let that person out, they're going back into society with what? Mm. You know, how are they going to feel about being treated like that? And um, you're out of the prison system now, Vanessa. Yes, thank uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> what What are you up to these days? And is it a much more peaceful life? Um, well, it used to be until I wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now I kind of I kind of do. Uh, uh, I've I've done a lot of podcasts, mm. uh, which I really enjoy. Actually, I like having this sort of this sort of sort of interesting sort of debate sort of thing. And uh, I met a lot of people. Uh, and uh, I do talks and I go around uh, different places and, uh, you know, bore people to death, I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm, my diary is quite full at the moment. And hopefully much more peaceful, if nothing yes. else. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. Fantastic. Vanessa, thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast today. That's been absolutely fascinating to get uh, your stories and your insights. We said at the start, Vanessa's book, The Governor, is out Sunday Times bestseller, and it's a fantastic read. So I highly recommend it to our listeners. Vanessa, thank you very much. Thank you. My thanks again to Vanessa Frake-Harris. If you found this podcast interesting, please do rate, subscribe and recommend it to your friends.